Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Uh, about 13 years ago, I, uh, I ended up at Charlotte Rescue Mission. What got me there was I had a terrible drinking problem. I thought I deserved to drink. Uh, I worked hard, worked seven days a week, 12 hours a day. I thought I had the right to uh, drink and act the way I wanted to act when I drank. But it eventually got me put out of a, a out of a great job that I had, and uh, and got me spiraling downhill like I had fell off a cliff, and. Uh, I ended up at the Charlotte Rescue Mission after a couple of doctors had made it, had kept me in the hospital for a little while and I had about probably close to 45 days sober. And my thinking was so crazy I had been trying to drink myself to death. But I believed with all of my heart at the time that uh, I had seen the best days of my life. And the day I walked into Charlotte Rescue Mission, uh, I was scared I had walked into some kind of cult or, or uh, some kind of place that was going to take advantage of me. And we went by the, the uh, sanctuary in there and Crossroads had just gotten in there and they were singing and clapping hands and singing to the top of their lungs. And a few minutes later they carried me in there and let me join in. And uh, the message was, is, uh, you tried everything else, why don't you try God? I had drank for for years, and I, I knew that I was a full-blown alcoholic. I had sat down for three months and tried to drink myself to death, and it hadn't worked. And I thought there was no hope for me. I, I didn't know if any of these people could help me or not, but I was scared of everything and everybody. But I heard, I heard them say, you've tried everything else. Why don't you try God? And it stayed on my heart. And as I started to get a, a clearer head and a little bit better thoughts in me, I, uh, I picked up the Bible and I sat down and started reading and started seeing such good things uh, in the Bible that I couldn't put it down. I read every time I got my chance. And I knew God was, uh, I knew God was speaking to me, but I knew God was, had already been working miracles in my life, that uh, he had gotten me there and I hadn't died. I finally came to find out the reason he didn't let me go because he had something better for me. He had a better life plan for me. And all I had to do was to accept Jesus Christ as my savior. I was chained down with all kinds of problems. Uh, I had money problems. I, 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 I didn't think I'd be able to get another job. And I came to church and asked the prayer team to pray over me and they prayed. And the next day I went out and found a job. It was supposed to have been impossible for me to find a job at the time. I've been able to help others to uh, realize that life's not over. If God's first in your life, there's nothing that can beat you down. We celebrate the freedom that we have as Americans this, uh, this week, and, uh, you know, it's just great to hear the freedom that God brings to, to his people to set his people free, amen? And, and something I want to say is, is he, he let me borrow this. 
uh, as of this week, uh, our, our, our friend Chuck is 14 years sober as of this week. Is that not cool? So I want to say hi to those who are watching online. I know we have a lot of people traveling this week on the 4th of July and things, but we are celebrating, uh, really going through a, a series called When Pigs Fly. And it's a series about uh, really miracles of provision, miracles of deliverance, miracles of protection, and miracles of healing. And a couple weeks ago, we took a look at a miracle of healing. Last week, we took a look at a miracle of, uh, of deliverance. We saw how Jesus Christ set a man free from 6,000 demons. His name was Legion, and God set him free. And I want to do something. I want to today, I want to I just grab that horse and put a saddle back on and ride that horse around the crowd one more time because I think there's some things that God has in store for, for us on that. But here's the thing that I want us to understand is that when we read about, you know, a demoniac being delivered, we're going, okay, what do I have in common with that, most of us? And, and what we have to realize is that story's in the Bible not just for that, but any bondage. And can we just be man and woman enough to, to, to admit and realize that every single one of us, we, st we struggle with bondages. Every single one of us, we struggle with issues. Every single one of us need to be set free in some ways, in some, in some places in our life from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we're going to be taking a look at, uh, at that again. Let's go to the, the Bible and see Mark chapter one, 5, verse 1. And he said, He went across the lake to the region of the, of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of a boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man came, uh, lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You know, I'm reading that and I'm going, okay, how in the world did this guy get this way, right? I mean, this is not a guy that, you know, that from the time he was a little child, somebody asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, I want to be a demoniac, right? I mean, there's nobody, this is not on his bucket list. He was not thinking, man, I want, you know, when I grew up, I really want to be shackled and I want to be, you know, cutting myself with stones and, and I want to be, you know, in the, in the tombs and everything like this. This wasn't on his list. So how did he end this way? Something we know is this. We know he started dabbling with stuff he shouldn't have dabbled with. He started playing with stuff he shouldn't have played with. He opened himself up to things he shouldn't have opened himself up to. And pretty soon this became this, which became this, which became this. And suddenly he found himself in a place he never, ever dreamed possible. You know, one thing that, uh, that, that Satan is, is such a liar. Uh, the Bible says Jesus calls him a liar, and he says not only is he a liar, he's the father of lies. He, it's his native language. A lie is his native language. And I just want to talk a moment about just Satan and his lies for a, for a second. One thing he lies about is this. He lies about the benefits of following him. And I know these lies because I believe these lies for a while. And one really the lie that he said, this guy, one of us, he said, you know what, I will give you, you follow me, you start listening to what I say, I'm going to give you first class accommodations. But here he was in the, in the, the cemetery, that's where he lived. Satan would whisper to him and say, you know what, you follow me, I will give you the world. And here he was naked and friendless. He had nothing. 
He said, follow me, and man, your life will be a party. It's going to be just good times after good times after good times. And he followed him, and you know what? He found himself shrieking in the wilderness, shrieking in the tombs, and that was his good time. You know, there's an old saying that says, we'll paint the town red, right? I mean, that's saying we're just going to have a great time, great time, great time. But really, Satan said, we'll paint the town red. He just didn't say, we're going to use your blood in order to do it. Satan will always lie about the, about the benefits. He'll also lie about the cost, too. You know, I thought about this is for the youth here. You know, I remember when I was about your age, I was about 16, 17 years old. And here's one thing I did on the 2nd or 3rd of July several years ago. We were, my friends and I, we were going around, and this is when fireworks were legal. And, I mean, you had anything legal. You had, you had M80s legal and all these things that could blow things really bad up. And I remember one time going into uh, with some friends, and we went into a fireworks stand. And this had, I still remember there was something this big, and it was this big around. And we were like, what in the world is that? And the guy said, that's a smoke bomb. We go, <laughs> I don't know, you man, I don't know what we can do with this thing, but it's got possibilities, right? So stupidly, okay, we thought, what we thought is, is we would light this thing, put it in the trunk of my friend's car, and drive by a big sporting event that was taking place just to see people's reactions. And oh, baby, it worked, all right? I mean, we lit that thing. We should have understood how bad that was when the fuse was about this long, that there was something really bad with this. So what we did is we lit that fuse, put it in there, and, and I still remember we were going by a Legion baseball game, and the, the pitcher was just about in mid-pitch, and he pointed out, and all the stands, they turn around, and they look at, at this, because it was going up, smoke from the, from the back was going up about two or three stories at that time. We're laughing our head off. We think it's the greatest thing ever. And we take a right turn to get on one of the busiest streets in my hometown, four-lane highway. And all of a sudden, we realized the smoke wasn't just going out. The smoke was also going in. And we couldn't see our hands in front of our face. I am coughing. I am gagging. My friend is driving with his head out the window, right? That's the only way he can see. Now, I might be able to tell you right now that what, his, what his car looked like. My friend had a green Mustang, and one night, for whatever reason, he decided we should, we should camouflage it, and it looked horrible. It looked terrible, and then one time when he was smuggling Bibles into Russia, we, just for a joke, we bought a hand grenade shell from a, from a, uh, a surplus store, and we put it, mounted it on the front of his car, so this car looked like it should be General Patton's car, okay, and then there's smoke going everywhere from, from this thing, and, and so, you know, it looked like a Cheech and Chong movie or something. And we're going, we're going around, and there was no place to pull over because this was a park. And about four blocks later, we finally get some parking lot. We roll out. I have never been so happy to taste oxygen in my life, right? And so I thought, that is just what, what sin is like, what follows Satan. I mean, it starts out fun. It always does because it's, it's not a temptation if it's not something fun, right? But eventually, we follow him, we do what he says, and suddenly we will find ourselves just coughing up stuff and just hoping, wishing our life was different than what it was. Because here's the one thing, don't miss this. Sin will always take you further than you were willing to go. It will always cost you more than you were willing to pay, and it will always keep you a whole lot longer than you were willing to, to stay. Sin will never, ever, ever bring you freedom. It will always bring you bondage. It will always lead to captivity. It will, it will never, ever, ever elevate a person up. It will always, always, always take a person down. 
Something we need to realize. And you know something else, too? Is Satan, Satan gets you coming and going, doesn't he? I mean, he'll do this. He'll do, say, you know, oh, man, do this. It's going to be so much fun. It's not, what's the big deal? And you deserve it and everything like that, just like he told Chuck. And then when you do it, he goes, you are such a jerk. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you would do that. God will never love you. God can never forgive you for that. You're off his team, and he gets you coming and going, right? And something else is just some facts about bondages. I want to talk about just some bondages for a second because that's what this guy was having. He was at a mess of bondages. One thing is, it's like a tourniquet, right? You put a tourniquet around your leg. You put a tourniquet out around your arm. And at that moment, life stops to, to flowing at that point. In that area, life stops flowing. In the area of your bondage, I guarantee you something. Life will stop flowing in relationship with other people. It will stop flowing in your relationship with God. Peace will stop flowing in the way it was meant to. Enjoyment in life, in the, in the, the quality of life that God intends for you, stops flowing at that moment. It goes down to, and, and it just affects you in every single way of, of life. Something else is bondages can be overt or covert. Now, obviously, streaking around in a, in a cemetery, that's pretty obvious, you know? I mean, that's, everybody goes, okay, that guy's got a problem, right? But so many times, too, we can, have, we can have issues that nobody sees that are just as real and are just as, as damning, let's say it, as anything else. I mean, we can have legalism, bondage of that. We can have self-pity. We can have unforgiveness. We can have, we can have pride. We can have materialism. We can have, we can have lust and pornography, and I could go on and on and on and on with the things that can bind us that maybe nobody sees on the outside, but it's going on the inside and it's sucking life away from us. Something else is bondages can come in a variety of packages too, can't they? I mean, think about it. There's, there's can, a bondage doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a neutral thing or it can even be a good thing that becomes a bad thing because it takes away the best thing. An example of that, maybe you are a workaholic. And you work, 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 and work. And that's not a bad thing, but what happens is if that starts taking away from life with your family and life at your church and your, and your health and things like that, that good thing can become a bad thing. Social media can be, is, a, is a good thing, but it can be a bad thing, can it, when it keeps us away from real relationship with people that are right next to us. We can have even media and things, and we can be so wrapped up in TV and so wrapped up in a, a show that, we, that, that we're not even available for the kingdom of God because we're so wrapped up in that. Sports and leisure and things like that can be, can be anything, anything if it takes the place of God, if it takes the place of something better, can be a bondage and something that takes away life instead of something that, that gives life. And bondages also always, almost always start benignly. I mean, this guy didn't all of a sudden, you know, wake up one day and suddenly he was a demoniac. There was a process in that. And there was a time where he probably goes, I got a handle on this. This isn't got me. I've got it. Do you know how they catch monkeys? Uh, most of the monkeys they ever catch in zoos, here's how they do it. They put a coconut or something heavy out there and they, they put a hole in it just enough for a monkey to stip, stick its hand down. And then they stick a banana or something, a fruit that the, that the monkey likes. And what happens is the monkey reaches down there and then grabs it and the problem is it can't pull away because now it's got a fist in that thing in its hand and it can't pull its hand out. And a person can walk up and the monkey could run away at any time if it just let go of that banana, could walk away at any time. But instead, they can be grabbed at that moment because here's the thing. They think they have the banana, but in reality, the banana has them. 
And so many times, again, we can, we can have a hold of something and think, I got a hold of this. This is no big deal. This is it. I've got it. I've got it. And suddenly we look around, instead of us having it, it has and controls us. So let's go back to our story. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell at his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. I want you to see something. Jesus went immediately after his bondage. Jesus Christ hates bondages. In this world, in your life, in my life, in, in every area, he hates bondages. In fact, when he came up and he opened up the Bible the very first time to the book of Isaiah, and this was as he was about to start his ministry, he's basically saying, here's why I'm here, and look at what he, uh, what he chose to, to put up. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me, don't miss this, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Did you get that? In other words, Jesus didn't come just to set us free from the penalty of sin. He came to set us free from the power of sin as well. And Jesus is never about just polishing our chains. He is about setting us free from those chains. He is not wanting us to feel comfortable in our prison. What he wants to do is break out us to break out of those prisons, to break those doors down so that we can be free people, right? And so, um, so something I, I thought of there too is we have, you know, there's like kind of a buzzword right now going on and that's tolerance, right? Tolerance, 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 we should be tolerant. And here's something we have to understand. The tolerance is different than love. And don't miss this. Oftentimes, tolerance is the enemy of love. Because here's the thing. Tolerance says, I will not judge you. I will never tell you anything or say anything that could make you feel uncomfortable. And love says, uh-uh, uh-uh. It says, I love you enough to say something. I love you enough to, to intervene, to say something if you are hurting yourself or, or hurting something else, somebody else. Isn't that what being a parent is all about? You don't just say, you know, I, I don't care. It's okay that, you, you know, that you're with that sharp knife and, and you're playing in the middle of the street. No, no, no. You say, you say and it, you don't say, you know, because if I say something, it could damage your self-image and it could hurt you and everything. No, you go, I love you way too much to have you doing that. I care enough for you to, to say something. And I don't care whether you fuss at me. I don't care if you think I'm the meanest mommy in the world. I don't care. I love you too much to, to sit by and idly watch you hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. There's a big difference between, amen. And Jesus ruthlessly went after any sin or any lifestyle. We see that. And that could be legalism that he went after with the Pharisees. It could be sexual immorality that he went after with the woman caught in the act of adultery. Notice he, he loved her, but he also said, go and sin no more. It could be with the people who were, who were ripping people off in the temple. Whatever it was that led to bondage in a person's life or in the community, he went after ruthlessly. So here's the question. How do we, set, how do we get free from our bondages? The first thing is ask the Holy Spirit to reveal them. Because here's the thing that we can do. Some bondages that we have, we know. Nobody has to. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to reveal them. Uh, you, you immediately know what that is. If I say bondage, you go, okay, this is something in my life. I need freedom in. I need freedom from how I speak to people. I need freedom from my anger. I need freedom, whatever, whatever it could, could be. Here's what David said. He said, search me, O God, 
and know my heart. See if there be any anxious way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He was so transparent with God, and he goes, God, just anything, anything that is sucking my life out, anything that is keeping me from you or somebody else or everything I can be, reveal it to me so we can do something about that. And the second thing is this, admit that you have the, the bondage. See, we tend to rationalize, don't we, and say it's not that big of a deal. It's, you know, I've got an issue, I've got this thing, but it's really not doing something in my, in my life. And I came across a story a while back that I will never, ever forget as long as my, I live, and here it is. And it's uh, Bert Hunter, I'm re- just going to read it. A newspaper reporter and photographer in Long Beach, California, found himself on a strange mission on a foggy morning. He was scheduled to interview and take pictures of a woman snake charmer. When Bert visited the woman's home, he was surprised to see that she lived in a very nice upper-class neighborhood. The woman herself didn't look like someone who played with snakes. Bert couldn't help mentioning that fact to her. I don't understand why you, as a wealthy, attractive woman such as yourself, is engaged in this kind of business, he said. It seems awfully dangerous to me. The woman smiled and said, oh, I don't do it because I have to. It's a fascinating hobby. I really like the element of danger involved. Don't miss this. Someday someday soon, I plan to give it up and spend more time with my flowers. I can quit anytime I want to. While Bert set up his equipment, the woman brought the the baskets containing cobras. She confidently lifted some of the deadly snakes as 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 he snapped pictures of her handling them. After replacing the snakes in their baskets, she cautioned, be especially quiet now and don't make any quick moves. I'm going to take out my newest snake. It isn't completely used to me yet. The woman lifted the new snake out of the basket, then suddenly stiffened. Something's wrong, she whispered to the photographer. I'm going to have to put him back. She opened the basket slowly and began to lower the snake into it. With a lightning-fast jab, the cobra buried its fangs into the woman's wrist. The woman forced the snake into the basket and clutched her arm. She smoked calmly to Bert. Go quickly to my medicine chest and bring the snake serum. Hurry. Trembling, Bert ran to the restroom and returned with the precious vial. The woman instructed him to take out the syringe and, uh, and fit the needle in it. Then she told him how to withdraw the serum. Bert struggled with the unfamiliar task, his hand shaking badly. He braced his arm against the table as they tried desperately to get the needle into the vial. Suddenly he gasped. Uh, the, the clumsy, his clumsy fingers had crushed the tiny bottle. The serum, now useless, dripped through his fingers and onto the floor. Tell me, he urged, where can I get another? And in a quiet voice, she responded, that was my last one. The woman's agony ended when she died a few hours later. Bert's, however, continued for the rest of his life. He often recalled what the woman said that day, I can quit anytime I want to. Isn't that the, the, the power of a 12-step program, too, just saying, you know what, I've got an issue, I know it's an issue, it's got me, I don't have it. Another thing is that we do is we bring the bondage into the light. There's something powerful about, about saying this. God, the Bible tells us in, in James 5.16, says, confess our sins to one another uh, and, and pray for each other so you may be, be healed. And so what we're supposed to do is, is talk to a friend. Talk to your youth pastor, talk to a counselor, talk to your parents, something where you're going, I'm struggling with this. And and something happens when we do that. The moment we do that, it kind of loses its power. It begins to lose its hold hold on us. And the other thing it does is it makes it where we're not alone in this struggle anymore. Suddenly we have somebody else that's going to help us, somebody alongside of us that's going to be with us through the, the struggle as well. And something else is see the bondage as the destructive force that it, that it is. 
Again, Satan would want to go, it's no, that, not that big deal. It's certainly not hurting you any. And I'm thinking about the time when there was a, some, uh, a couple that they went to, uh, to Mexico as, as tourists. And they're in, the, in an alleyway. As they were walking by, they saw this chihuahua, and it was, it, it was shaking. It was trembling. And, and the lady grabbed it and, and started to, to comfort it and started to hold it and even smuggled it back over the border with her when she went back into the United States. As they got there, she took it to a, a, a vet's office, and the vet looked at her and said, this is not a chihuahua. This is a rabid river rat. And she was holding something that could be destructive. And again, sometimes we coddle something, we pet something, we say it's no big deal when in reality it can affect us in a, in a big way. Another thing is let Jesus break your chains. You know, we sang about that over and over and over. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us into the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out of him and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down into the steep banks, into the lake, and were drowned. There's when pigs aren't flying, pigs are drowning instead. Those lending, uh, uh, tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. Before you start feeling sorry for the pig farmers about their loss, remember, pigs were, 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 were what defiled the Jews in those days. So Jesus was just setting them free with what defiled them and what defiled other people. And here's two other things. Walk out of the prison. Jesus set this guy free, but he could have gone right back to the tombs, right? And there's a lot of time the Bible talks about a dog returning to its vomit. Sorry, but that's what the Bible says. That we get set free from something, and then we go back in, into that. The Bible says this in Galatians, for it is freedom for that the Lord has set us free. Uh, and, and remember that, that, that he didn't call us just to be free so we could stay in our prison. He called us, but do we have to take some steps to get out of that prison. We have to take some steps, make some choices, change our lifestyle, change something about us in order to be free from what God has set us free from. And the other thing is, is this too, is get any help that you need. You know, there's this incredible story about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, right? But one thing that he had, he still had the grave clothes on, and Jesus looked at the people around him and said, help him get out of those grave clothes. And that's something we look around and we see people that they're, they're set free spiritually from that, but they may still need some, some help from us to get out of their grave clothes. And you know what else? We may need the same thing as well. I mean, you may, you know what? You may be set free, but you still may need to go to counseling. You may be set free, you may still need to go to a doctor. You may be set free, but you know what thing I guarantee you need? You need the house of God. You need where brothers and sisters can be real with each other and help unwrap each other and help, help us be, become and walk in the freedom that God has, has called us into. And, uh, and back to this, this story for one moment. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. I love that. How awesome would that be to see this guy who had tormented everybody and been in torment, suddenly he is set he is set free. And, and here's just a few takeaways. I could preach a whole message on these. I'm just going to touch on them. Jesus did more in one second than anybody else, including that man, could do in his whole lifetime. One second, Jesus could set that man free. Another thing is there is no one too far gone for Christ to redeem. Hear that. 
If you're watching online, if you're here right now, you may be thinking there is no way that God could set me free or there's no way that God could set the loved one that I have that's on my mind free. But God can set anybody free. You know, there's this incredible person in, in, in church history by the name of John Newton. And if there was anybody that was a tyrant, it was this man. John Newton was, was, was a leader in one of the most heinous jobs there ever was on this planet. He was a slave trader. And John Newton, God got a hold of John Newton. He's the one who, who wrote the words, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. God can set anybody free. The other thing is there is no bondage in your life. Hear that. There is no bondage in your life that God can't set you free from. Amen. And I want to close with something different in the story because the end of the story I absolutely love. And here's what, what happens, is, is this guy begged Jesus to go with him. And Jesus said, no, I don't want you going with me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your family and your friends and tell them about me in the Decapolis, which is 10 cities around in your area. Think of this. This is the first person that Jesus ever said, I want you to be my missionary. This man right here, if you've ever wondered, you know what, God could never use me because of my background. I have no training. I've never been to seminary, never been to Bible college, don't know the Bible that well. God could never use me to make a difference in people's lives. I beg to differ right here. This man five minutes before was a demoniac, and Jesus said, you're exactly what I'm looking for. And remember this too. Remember this. That the same message that Jesus gave him, the same commission, is the same mission that he's given you and me. For us to go to our friends and us to go to our families and we're to tell about what Jesus Christ has done in our life. And this man was so effective in what he did that we read in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus had trouble getting back into the Decapolis because he was so famous. He had rock star status. You know why? I believe it was because of this man was so effective of just telling what Jesus has done in his life. Do not, do not forget how God can use your testimony. And you may say, man, I, I had such a bad background. Great. God can use that bad background just like Chuck's to make a difference and encourage people. But here's something else. You may have a background where you say, you know what? I never was a heroin addict. I never was a prostitute. I never got into those things. That's my favorite testimony of all is your testimony. Because you have a testimony that says, I came to faith in Christ at an early age and I did not have to prove I was a banana head in my life to make it how Jesus was. And that's something that had a difference in my life. You know, because of my background, you'd think that it was somebody that had this horrendous background that said, you know, Jesus set me free that got me to become a Christian. It was a person that grew up in the church and loved God from the time they were a little girl until the time they, I, I, I met them. And it was looking at their, in their life and going, I want the peace that that lady has. I want the joy that this lady has. I want the purpose that this lady has. So you may think, I don't have a testimony. You may be on this spectrum or this spectrum. No matter where it is, you have a message to tell people. And the same God that gave you a mission, them a mission, is the same God that get you, gave, gives us a mission that we can change the world one testimony at a time. Amen? Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.